Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest was a pastor for a few years in Richmond, British Columbia. He's now an entertainment world chaplain. That's a pastor to people in the entertainment industry. But he wasn't always following Jesus. In fact, it was in prison that he met Jesus. He wound up in prison after becoming involved in a high-profile kidnapping. It's an amazing redemption story, and today Bosco Poon will share it with us. Bosco Poon was an aspiring Canadian recording artist when he became involved in some criminal activity that landed up with a 12-year prison sentence. Bosco, tell us a little bit about your life leading up to this. Absolutely. So I was born in Hong Kong, and I came to Canada when I was 12 years old. And uh, when I first came to Canada, I, like a lot of immigrants, I spent the first few years to try to adapt to this whole new culture. Now, you see, my, my mother tongue is Cantonese. And and as you can imagine, coming to a place that only speaks English and maybe French back at the time, um, I had a hard time trying to adapt to this whole culture. Um, a, lot, a lot of people might understand this. When an immigrant comes to a new place, learning a new language, um, there are a lot of obstacles, right? Um, I might not, people like myself might not be able to fully express ourselves in in, in, in a whole new language. Now, that doesn't mean that we're stupid. doesn't mean that we are we don't understand things. You know what I mean? So at, at, at school, I, I faced a lot of difficulty with blending in with the, with the people here. Um, I got bullied here and there. Um, people call me stupid, call me names. But deep in my heart, I, I knew that I, I, I wasn't stupid. It, it, it's just that I need to learn how to use a proper vocabulary to communicate what I really want to say. So that took a few years. And um, so long story short, um, as I um, graduated into high school, um, my English started to get a little bit better. In in the ESL class, I met some new friends, uh, also from Hong Kong. Can you tell us about those friends? No, they were... Um, Kind of like, you know, introduce me to a new world, like um, partying, you know, underground party. Started to try out different things like, like smoking, um, drinking alcohol, and later on, weed and even ecstasy. So that took me to a new route of lifestyle that I never knew before. Uh, I used to be a straight A student. Like I, I was on the honor road all the way up to grade 11. Uh, when I met his friends. And of course, after I go, start to go and partying a lot, I stopped studying and my mark just went south. My parents were really worried about my, uh, my, my future and whatnot. So I started, I, I kept the, the, the partying, uh, lifestyle for, for a good year and a half, two years up, up to my graduation from high school. Um, make the story really short because we have a limited time here. Um, I, at the end of, uh, of that two years, I, I remember I, I was in a rave party. I was standing in the dance floor looking up at the DJ, and I didn't take anything that day. Uh, I, I was sober. I didn't know why, but I, I just didn't feel the, the need to, you know, to, to get myself hard that day. So I just was, it was my first sober party. And, and, and as I was standing in the midst of that dance floor, took okay, a 360 to look at all these people around me, and I, they all look like zombies without their own mind, just looking up at the DJs. 
like a bunch of robots just keep dancing and dancing. And, and I thought to myself, wow, was I like them for the past two years? And wow, I, it just opened up my eyes and I, and I didn't want to be like that no more. So I, I slowly quitted the, that kind of lifestyle. And, um, and, and I found a new passion in, in my life. I really loved hip hop music back then when in my teenage. And back at that time, there weren't any, if there were any, there, there weren't any good Chinese rapper back then. And I just started to study it myself. I started to study the, the Western rap uh, culture and I learned from different artists like Eminem and Kanye West back in the days and Jay-Z and all these kind of big name rappers. I learned from their skills and, and then translated into Chinese and and, and I started to develop that myself. And about two years later, I started to get signed by um, record labels in Taiwan. So I was on my road to, to becoming a recording artist. I later on formed my own band, my hip-hop crew, my own little hip-hop band in Vancouver. And then we later on, we got signed by EMI Music Taiwan. And, and right before... We, we were going to head off to Taipei to sign a contract and release our first album. Um, something crazy happened, very crazy happened. What happened? I, I had to move from uh, from Coquitlam, which is a city that is 45 to an hour away from the, the, the Vancouver airport. I've been moved from there with my family to, to a new place that is closer to the airport because they, they will be closer to my new career. Um, and whatnot. So the housing in Coquitlam was on sale. My gangster friends, they, 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 they went bored for a few days. Um, and then later on, it turned out to be a kidnapping incident. They, 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 they placed the victim in, in, in the basement of that house in Coquitlam that we were pretty old for sale. So, um, and some of these things, we can find it on the Internet and, and police reports. So it's trying to make it shorter. <laughs> so it's so long. So at the end of the day, I I I enter into a very long trial, two and a half years. Actually, it's two years and ten months to be exact. Um, extorted a lot of money for my, uh, my 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 family. Matter of fact, I used up all their retirement fund um, to fight for my case. Some of uh, some of the the people that were involved, they pled guilty. Even even came up to the witness stand to to stand against me, with all that coming together. At the end, I was convicted uh, with the crime and, and received a 12-year sentence. And that was when my my journey to, to, to the prison began. Your family, yeah. I know in the Chinese culture, uh, the yes. children and, and what they do in their mm. life is so important. Oh, absolutely. So what was the family connection like during all of this when this was yeah. all happening? Right, um... I, I am the only child. So, like, as you said, like, honor in the Chinese culture, actually it's, it's in, in the Asian culture, is, is, is very important to the family. So ever since I got into the trial, oh, my gosh, like, I brought so much shame and guilt and pain to the family. Um, however, because I'm the only child, my, my mom and dad, they just... They loved me so much. They, they, they were there to support me unconditionally. Um, using up their whole retirement fund to, to help me get a supposedly good lawyer to fight for the case is, is, is the proof of their love, in, in a sense. 
But man, those are some hard, those are some really hard day, very difficult time for my family to 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 have to go through um, the two years and ten months trial, like almost every day. As you can imagine, that's pretty exhausting um, in many sense. Yeah. But through it all, they stood by you, and they still showed you that they loved you. They did. Yeah, they did. So tell me then, what happened once you were convicted and you you ended up going to jail? What was that experience like? <laughs> um, and that that was that was a whole different story. Like the life behind bars is like you know I I, I watched movie before I I watched TV episodes before like Prison Break and uh, and and that 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 was the only like um, knowledge that I had with prison. Until I literally being convicted as uh, as a prisoner and placed within a, a prison system within Canada, everything changed. Everything changed. That the first thing I noticed was freedom that we take it for granted when we have it outside. This one is one that once that was taken away from me, man, I, I had no idea how much privilege we have, no matter how rich or even how poor we are in the outside world. Once we take away that freedom, we, man, we, we, we almost lose our very own dignity. You know what I mean? You cannot call whoever you want. I cannot just go to 7-Eleven to, to, to get a, uh, a bag of chips or, or go to a Starbucks to get a coffee. You just don't have that privilege and freedom no more. And everything that you want to do, such as I want to call my parents, I have to put in a request form. Like everything has to ask for permission, and I had to get used to the answer no. That's a crazy thing, especially for today's people. Like, we expect everyone to say yes to us. Mm-hmm. But no, 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 in prison, like, I had to get used to the mentality that I have to accept that the answer, or most of the time the answer would be no. <laughs> and, and, and man, that, that was not only an eye-opener, it was totally reconstruct everything that I know about life. Uh, being in prison. And it was in prison, really, that uh, you found Jesus. Tell us about yes. how that happened. Oh, in, in my loneliest moment, I, I remember uh, after six months of being in prison, and, and right on the first day of my birthday, not the first day, or right on the, yeah, my, my first birthday in prison, is, is, is what I supposed to be, um, I find out my, my girlfriend at, at the time was cheating on me. So that was my my first birthday gift in prison, and 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 she was kind of like I mean that relationship was kind of like the the, the only thing that I was still holding on to from the outside world besides my parents, of course, because my my career was gone. Um, I I was in debt of a lot of money for the voyage fee and and all that kind of stuff. Freedom was gone, like you know all that, and now this relationship. That I hold on so tight to, or is also like you know, vanished right before me. Uh, I got into a very deep depression. I I didn't know what to look forward to anymore because there's absolutely nothing for me to look forward to with a 12 year sentence. Uh, so I I started not to see anyone. I just locked myself up in the, in my own prison cell. I had a roommate at, at the time. I just locked myself up at the up, upper bunk and didn't eat, didn't want to do anything because there's just no hope for me. And then, and then some 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 brothers from from the prison chapel started to knock on my door and check up on me, and um, they dragged me out of my bed and 
you know, told me to, to grab something to eat or told me to travel and pray for me. Even though at the first glance, that doesn't mean a lot. But then that actually helped me to open up my heart to 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 God, so to speak. Bosque, you see, President Zwei really saw some life changes. Tell us more. So there was this one day I remember so clearly. I uh, a few months later, I, I finally got my single cell, meaning I, I don't have a roommate no more. So right in in my cell, I I was very lonely and and, and I lost everything. I remember probably I lost my appeal as well. So like everything was gone, right? All the hope was gone, mm-hmm. um, in a sense. And I and I was trying to read the Bible, and then I, I remember I landed on the very last chapter of Matthew, where Jesus said, "I'm always with you to the end of the age." And when I read that, it it I got very emotional because that didn't make sense to me. So I cried out loud to God uh, in myself. I said, "I cannot see you, I cannot feel you, I cannot hear you, and I cannot touch you." You said that you're right here with me to the end of the age. I mean, that is impossible. And I fold the Bible onto my bed, and then I sat on the floor, and I just keep on crying and crying. And then I said to him, but if what you said is real, come talk to me, because I have nobody else. And a few weeks after that <laughs> prayer, um, during a, an evening prayer time, going to give you the short version of it. Um, I saw a very gray light coming up from the sky. And then the, the light came right before me. And then later on, the light entered into my body. And then my whole body just, you know, just got a little bit, not a lot, but just a little bit electrified in a sense. Didn't know what it was. I was very scared. But right after the light entered into my body, I, I have a sense of peace a peace that I have never, ever experienced ever in my life. And then I heard a voice very peacefully said to me that I am your Lord. Don't be afraid. I am your Lord, and I will rescue you. And after I heard that, I just believed it. I believed it, and then the, 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 I felt there is an, an arm, so to speak, wrapped around me. And I felt so peaceful. And then disappeared. So coming out from that experience, uh, I, I, I was first, I was completely shocked. I, don't, I didn't know what it was. Because my, secondly, I, I did not know how to respond to that. But ever since that experience, something changed. I never get one day knocked off from my prison sentence. But ever since that day, I, I, my spiritual eyes was open. And I was willing to learn and become a servant of God. I, I started to do a lot of Bible study. I went to a lot of different like Alpha course and anything to do with religion. I studied a lot of re, uh, religious books and, and the Bible, of course. And then later on, um, took some correspondence Bible college courses and, and, and finished off a, a, a peer counseling course in prison and, and then became an inmate peer counselor starting to help out the inmates within prison. And that's how our ministry started to, to, to take form, so to speak. Well, we've heard quite the inspiring story from Bosco, and it's so interesting that we're going to continue it. Tune in tomorrow for part two with Bosco Poon.